Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Thank you, President Michael. I have some notes here about uh, hunger statistics in the area, and I know we've covered a lot of that, but I don't think we focus too much on what's going on right here at home. Um, one in seven Southern Nevadans struggle with hunger. 15.6% of the population in Clark County is food insecure. And more than 62% of the children in Clark County School District receive free or reduced price meals. When the school year ends, those students would not have the security of daily lunch without the help of Free Square, which provides kids with meals during the summer. It's my honor today to introduce Brian Burton, President and CEO of Free Square Food Bank. I'm sure most of us are aware, but when we do our Thanksgiving food drive each year, we buy the food that we give to Salvation Army through Free Square at a deeply reduced price to what we could get in a store. Brian took the helm at Three Square in 2011, and under his leadership, it's developed into one of the fastest-growing food banks in the nation, and it's become a trailblazer in the field of food sourcing and distribution. Please join me in welcoming Brian Burton. We, we make things happen here. The Smith Center, 
just was many years in the making, but what a glorious asset that is for our community. The same funder that built that helped build a food bank. I think that's pretty cool when you're taking care of the least of these and when you're enriching the culture and the arts and the vision that uplifts all of our visions of what's possible. So I just, uh, I'm, I'm so pleased to be here. For those of you who may not know, uh, Three Square's uh, mission is to provide a wholesome food to hungry people while passionately pursuing a hunger-free community. It's a genius model because there's only really one large food bank that serves each of the regions around the country. Uh, Feeding America food banks are credentialed by Feeding America in Chicago, the largest domestic hunger relief organization. They come in every two to three years and kick the tire, look under the hood, make sure we're following best practices in terms of safe food handling. What would be more important than that? Make sure our books and everything are transparent, even though we have a financial audit every single year by a local firm. But uh, it's a great... Um, it's a great accountability for us. We're, we're independent from them. We're locally uh, managed by the board, but we affiliate with them because they open up massive amounts of food resources and connections to the national suppliers, as you can imagine, general meals and craft. So, so you've got one food bank serving four counties in Southern Nevada. Started 10 years ago this December. Can you believe it's been 10 years already? So we're gonna, really uh, have a, a good uh, celebration this next year over what the community has done. Sometimes people say, well, Brian, what does Three Square mean? And I said, Three Square doesn't have needs. The community has needs. We're simply here because people decided to get together 10 years ago and said, you know what? We can make the dollar stretch a lot further if we all cooperate and collaborate around one entity that will source food very efficiently, economically, from California, Arizona, and around the country and bring it in. So because of that mass efficiency that we have and the ability to scale up in 120,000 square feet of, of warehouse space and 30 trucks that are going out, picking up that food, rescuing it, and, 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 and most of the food, of course, we buy um, fresh. Because of that efficiency, we're able to, to to invest 94 cents of every dollar directly into that program. So you can feel really good that the overhead is skinny, administrative costs are low, and we're really maximizing. I'm not, not satisfied, I want to be 95 cents. Um, 44 million pounds of food uh, went out this past year. You might wonder, well, how many meals is that? It's 36 million meals. So in Las Vegas, uh, your food bank holds the record in the nation for the fastest uh, growing food bank to get to 10 and 20 million uh, pounds of food. Again, this community doesn't like dog morale. Like where I'm from, you can tell I'm from the South, Arkansas. We take our time. <laughs> we dial a wrong number, we call 15 minutes anyway. I, I want to know how grandma's doing. We talk kind of slow. But moving out here, I said, well, these people don't mess around. They don't put it long-range planning. They said, let's get it done. There's hungry people. It's a solvable problem. As he said, there's plenty of food. We, we waste 40% of the food in this country. It's enough to feed the country of Germany. 
So it's not a food shortage problem, it's a, it's a food distribution and access challenge. And that's what we're really putting our best brains on to make sure the, the final piece of that uh, can happen. We believe Las Vegas can be the first community in the country to create enough access to food so that everyone can, can get to it, no matter what zip code they live in. We need to get to 50 million pounds of food to do that, and we're planning on getting there in the next two years. Now, we still have a lot of work to do to get it in all the nooks and crannies, because depending on the group, senior adults are hard uh, sometimes to reach. They're reluctant to self-identify. They're sometimes uh, too proud, the dignity factor. And so there's a lot of senior hunger in our community, though. There's uh, about 30, almost 40,000 seniors that we were able to reach through our agency partners last year. And this, this is why I'm here, because um, 15 years in Dallas, I, I was in charge of a very small Methodist food pantry that served about six zip codes in East Dallas, which was a, a tough area there. I love seeing the families and being able to hold their, their, their kids and see them progress and develop over time. We figured out how to use food as a portal to education, and we sent 36 of our food pantry clients to college my last year there. To me, that's what food is about. It's not just making the, the pain and the problem go away today. It's using that as an opportunity to say, hey, some of your neighbors are over here in this, uh, perhaps at Lutheran Social Services, they could say, but some of your neighbors are taking these computer classes over here. It looks like they're having fun. Would you, uh, would you like to learn more about that? Or maybe they're offering a pre-literacy GED class or a job readiness program at Goodwill. And so we'd like to see food used to help people move forward and move out and up so that they're not having to stand in that line and, and, and have some of the, the hard uh, choices they have to make about scrambling around and getting the food. We want that to be as, as uh, easy and, and less painful for them as possible, but we'd much rather see people have not had to stand in that line, to shorten the line, and then move on and get the resources that they need. Um, but coming to this, uh, coming to Three Square, I was attracted here six years ago because it was a startup food pantry. Who's ever a food bank? Who ever heard of that? Most of the uh, food banks in our country started in the early 80s. If you'll remember that terrible uh, recession, and I think it was uh, President Reagan's first term, there were a lot of uh, social cuts going on. So when you look at the founding date of just about all the 200 food banks across the country, that are feeding America food banks, just about all of them started in the early 80s. Um, we did have a small food bank here in Vegas before Three Square, but it was a mom and pop. It certainly wasn't doing the job. We, uh, we move out in five days what they moved out in a year. And so I think the recognition of the leaders was we needed something of capacity. And that was certainly Eric Hilton, Eric Hilton's vision. He was a founder who realized that we needed to make a change here, and we needed to summon the community to this problem. We lost it, by the way, uh, in December, and we're still breathing. He was a, a charismatic um, 
visionary, a real intellectual, a very compassionate man. And when you think about people of his um, level, uh, how many of them are going to request that their funeral be held in a food bank? And that's what we, that's what we wanted. So that's what we did in December. So, um, my goodness. Let me uh, quickly speak to Houston. Um, the food bank there, as you can imagine, is massive. It's the fourth largest city in the country. It is, as I, what I last heard this morning, it is non-operational because of what's happened. So we have uh, trucks ready to uh, go there as soon as Feeding America gives us the, the green line. Um, they're going to pay for all of the, the freight on these trucks. But you can imagine there's a, it's not quite as efficient as the LDS church, but it, it's almost that efficient where we've got um, a vast perimeter of resources waiting to descend upon um, the affected area. Um, how many of y'all have family or friends in the Houston or Southeast Texas area? You know, this touches you personally. And I don't know about you, but I do, I do feel overwhelmed when I see those images on TV. And I think when we were all standing up, the vast majority of us that were making how much a day, 250? I think it's, it's easy to get numb. It's easy to sort of freeze up and think, oh my goodness, that's so overwhelming and so big. There's, you know, what can I do? And as, as you all know, but otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here today. We all are important in doing something because we can all do a little bit. You can add your life to the sum of life. And that's the way any improvement is made in our country. Um, people say, well, we want you to solve hunger, not the government. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Some form of federal nutrition program meets about 80% of the, the hunger crisis in our country. Nonprofits, like Three Square, we do what we're supposed to do. We fill in the crack that those government resources don't need or can't need. And we feel like we do that pretty well. Our nonprofit sector here in Vegas, the one part I was just sharing with Ginger that surprised me a little bit is the turnover in the leadership. The mayor uh, gathered us about 11 of the larger social services agencies about six years ago, and uh, some, some others have been added since then. But that original 11, we had one uh, pass away, Monsignor, uh, two retired. I'm, I'm the senior member of that uh, original 11, and I've been here six years. And so it's a little, uh, a bit of a, uh, you know, I have to catch my breath when I see um, the amount of uh, just turnover in this community at large. I think it's something that is part of us, and there's probably an upside to it. Maybe that's why we can become a sports city and less than two years, right? But the downside is that sort of um, discontinuous change, the um, lack of institutional uh, memory, the ability to build on long-term relationships and, and really do something significant over time. And so I don't know if that's reflected in your 
for-profit businesses or not, but it's a current, it's a concern I have about our community. I don't know if there's anything I can do about it, but we certainly need people to come and stay and invest and see the deep work get deeper. Um, help me out on my time. I want to allow some questions. Are we good? Um, real quickly, let me tell you the different ways we try to get to this hunger problem. Uh, if you picked up, each person that spoke before me gave some little snippets about hunger facts, and they were a little different. And that's good, because that means it's changing. It's getting a little better. And I think we need to focus on that too. It's not always just getting worse and worse. Do you know that there are, like, the people living around the world in extreme poverty has fallen dramatically since 1990. You don't hear that. But the millions and millions of people in China and India and many of those developing countries have been lifted out of poverty and they're now in the middle class. So extreme poverty, that's getting much, much better. It's still unacceptably high, as we saw represented earlier. But here at home, it was one out of six uh, food insecure. That means they worry about where their next meal is coming from at least several times during the year. So it's no longer one out of six, it's one out of seven. Now, it's still a lot of people. It's still probably called an epidemic if it was the flu. But it's, it's at least heading in the right direction. Uh, there's about 164,000 people a month that come through the 180 agencies that we supply food to. And so that's a lot of people. Uh, some of those are able-bodied and can improve their situation. Many of them are disabled or um, have problems or they're elderly. And uh, they're always going to need uh, some help in maintaining um, their uh, way of life. So I, I want to tell you that um, we're constantly trying to figure out how to do more and not always with less. I want to do more with more. I think there's more resources available to us. We need to get rid of this mentality of scarcity. I run into it occasionally. I don't like it. I think there's abundance in this town. You don't have to look very far to see it. And there's plenty of money and resources where we have to demonstrate to the community that we're going to make the best and highest use of those dollars because they're being choosier than ever, as they should be, and where they want to invest those dollars so that they're not wasted. And so on our council that we, uh, Tom is on that as well, that we meet um, now once a quarter, we talk often about transparency, stewardship, uh, impact, measurable ways to uh, see the progress that's being made and how we might communicate that better to, to you. Uh, the community. So we have a senior uh, feeding program. There's about 2,500 meal boxes that go out twice a month. This is different from Meals on Wheels. These folks are in their apartments but still able to, to fix their food and they're medically fragile. And so we provide uh, those meal boxes through our agencies. And uh, that's a wonderful thing because people can think independent longer. Speaking of Meals on Wheels, I couldn't be prouder of my colleague, Deacon Tom Roberts. Uh, if you saw him last year, he looked like Paul Revere up at Carson City, ringing the bell about senior hunger. They hadn't had an increase in 16 years in the state on 
reimbursing their meals on wheels uh, cost. And so uh, I love, I don't know about you, I love our governor. He's, he's an amazing man and he gets things done. And he was able to put in about $3 million for, for senior hunger extra in what we had. Um, we're, we're leveraging those public dollars because you know what, in Nevada we don't do that great. Um, we tend to um, not have the infrastructure and matching capacity to get those federal uh, dollars that you send to Washington. Too often times we're, they're using our money to build bridges in Vermont and different places, but I'm so proud we have a staff member who wrote a bill in this last legislative session and because of the bill, which was passed unanimously, um, it requires the state of Nevada to apply for a waiver so that um, the work time limits, which are being kicking in because of all the unemployment that's coming down. Our staff member noted that because our recession was so deep and so long, that because of the 24-month rolling average on figuring up that unemployment rate, Ours was still high enough 24 months ago, but we're entitled to one more year of waiver from some of the, the harsher restrictions on people that are getting snapped. So what does that mean? 65,000 people will have another year of benefit available to them because of that bill. Folks, that's $57 million that's coming back to our community, being spent in uh, bonds and Smiths and Walmart that will create uh, economic opportunity as well as dignity for people. And if you think they're getting too much benefit in food stamps, you're wrong. It's about $4 a day. So try living it up on that. We do have a SNAP experience if you care to join me. I'm hoping it'll be a weight loss program for me because I need it. But September the 14th, we're going to go for a week and live on $4 a day in terms of the, the food budget. So, very, very interesting. But imagine my staff member who isn't highly paid leveraging $57 million. That's a pretty good ROI that I think any of you would be proud of in your business. So, um, the seniors, the kids, of course, we've got uh, 60,000 volunteer visits a year. That's about 32,000 unique volunteers. I think it's far and away the largest volunteer program in the state. But what a beautiful, um, um, what a beautiful statement about the compassion of our community. That we're a giving, serving community. They each gave about two and a half hours, so it's about 150,000 hours of volunteer work. That saved us $1.7 million last year in not having to hire people. It was the equivalent of like 70 people. And so when people make a rude comment about our community isn't generous or we don't volunteer, would you please send them my way? Because uh, I need 10,000 more of those volunteers. <laughs> but uh, they're packing food for kids in the kitchen every day, for Boys and Girls Club, for the Y. It's about 10 to 12,000 meals a day that are cold packed there. The kids love the meals. They come in bright orange boxes. They're nutritious, but also appealing and fun to eat. And then, of course, we provide those backpacks still, about 6,500 um, backpacks each weekend for the, um, the the most vulnerable kids in school. It's not literally backpacks. It's, it's, it's food in a plastic bag that the teacher can put in their backpack for them to take home on Friday. 
Um, most of the food goes out of the warehouse because of these incredible agencies like the one I used to run in Dallas. Without them, uh, that food would stay in the warehouse. So they're my heroes. They are my customers. They're the reason I, I go to work every day is to make Catholic Charity Salvation Army, who you are very generous with, the group we drive, is to save them money. We brought 30% costs down for Catholic Charities on Meals on Meals two years ago. That lifted quite a few people off the wait list without raising another dollar. Uh, we did the same for Salvation Army. They were paying a dollar. 26 uh, pound for food before three square, and now it's about 25 cents a pound. That's, that's what a nonprofit's supposed to do. You know, people say, well, you're a business. I say, thank you. I said, we, we should be a business. Uh, 501c3 is just our tax status, right, Tom? <laughs> so these are, these are large businesses. Nonprofits are 10% of the gross national product. And so we should be held accountable, and we should be efficient and effective. And uh, we're not private clubs, we're public charities, so, so you own us, the board of directors, as your representative. So, I feel like uh, this is Commissioner Weekly, but I'm going to let him wait. <laughs> but that's the second time he calls, calls me, I'm kind of worried. <laughs> so, questions? I feel like I've done a little bit of a gap on you today, so. I heard your question before you passed out. Right. So uh, th thank you so much for what yeah. you do. I'm new to the Las Vegas community. And, Welcome, and I hope you stay. I, I just amazed at, at, at what's involved. But the, the downside of that is that it's needed here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm reminded of the ancient Chinese philosopher who said that give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, yeah. teach the fish for a lifetime. But the seniors and the children, they don't have the opportunity to earn their way out of that. But right. could, could you talk a little bit about what percentage of your constituency is, is in the category of uh, doing some of the things you were talking about, teaching them computer skills or life skills, and maybe right. getting away from uh, having this, this need? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Obviously, that's what I was sort of um, talking about when, when I got that vision in Dallas. I don't know the percentage, but it, it would take a a person, a lot of effort and time to have to go through the process of waiting and filling out applications and then hauling that bag or two of food on a bus or walking back to their home. It's not just a real easy thing for most people. And what we did as a comprehensive census two years ago, we found out that two-thirds of the folks are only visiting one pantry a month. They're not working the system. And for those others that are visiting more than one, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to judge that until I find out a little bit more about it. It may be a very legitimate need, the size of their family. Maybe the pantries are not as well resourced as they could be. But um, I do know about 20% of the folks are, are veterans that come through um, that, are, that get services. Um, many of the programs are available among the larger Nonprofits like Blueprint, Social Services, and Rescue Mission, and we've got some bright stars in our community that are teaching people um, how to fish. But oftentimes, it's uh, it's a judgment people make on the whole group that um, wears a little thin to me because it's just as complex and diverse as uh, any other group of, of people. 
I, I like to think God looks at us as individuals, not members of groups. And so when I go down and visit Salvation Army and Catholic Charities, I just see a kaleidoscope of beautiful individual people. And it's hard for me to generalize about most of them any more than you can generalize with the label Hispanic. That doesn't mean one thing. That means so many rich, different variations of that. And so I'm not overly concerned about service abuse. It's always something that bothers me. But I will say that our clients, even when they abuse the system, they don't bring down the world economy. Other people do that. <laughs> That's my uh, little bias. Right here, Brian. Yes, sir. Brian, thank you for being here and doing yeah. what you do. Um, earlier, you touched upon a little bit of the differences between Meals on Wheels and food being delivered to someone at their home. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us in the club, you know, we come in contact with people that need some help, yeah. or need some food services, perhaps when we're doing some of the work that we do. Yeah. Can you just cover a little bit of the agencies that you that we could direct them to, and how how to best direct someone? Oh. Let's say we come in contact with someone that needs help. Should we send them to X? organization or why organization or is there, is, there a, is there a hub that can help us direct that? Did I pay you to ask that question? That's a great, that's a great question, isn't it? Um, threesquare.org is our website and it's really cool. You can click on that and type in your um, zip code and it will automatically pop up the nearest agencies that are, are near you. And so, and it provides all the information when they're open. There's nothing worse than making a referral to someone. They get on the bus, they take two hours to get somewhere, and then it's closed where they don't qualify. So we're really trying to erase that indignity with good, current, accurate information that's on our website. Um, and I think it says, uh, uh, do you need food or do you need help? It's pretty easy to see where it is. Um, or you could just call 644-FOOD and one of our my staff members could, could help. Right here, Brian. Hi, Brian. Chris Rosenfeld. Oh. You mentioned SNAP. SNAP. SNAP is not a real efficient system, I don't believe. Oh, where did you hear that? Well, when I went shopping with some SNAP people to help them out, okay. they would go for like a bottle of you know, juice. And right. the one that qualifies for SNAP is like 35% more in cost than the one that doesn't qualify for SNAP. So that's built into certain levels of, of things that they can do. But when you could do pricing at 25 cents a pound for food, right. instead of that $57, $57 million coming back for SNAP, would it be better for it to put into a system such as yours? Oh, I wouldn't turn down 57 million. Are you crazy? It takes me seven years to raise that much money from the private sector. And we, we work very hard in the community is I think is just about as generous as they can be here. But um, I would love to talk to you about SNAP more offline because it truly is one of the most efficient uh, programs that we have. And I think you should feel really good about it because uh, with the EBT card, a lot of the, the fraud during the old days, it was paper, they were literally stamps. There, there was, I'm sure, lots of abuse back then. And there are still occasionally some people that figure out how to work that system now. It's usually on the merchant end rather than the client end. But um, it's a very uh, it, it's a very good way. When we go talk to our congress uh, congressman about that program, 
We take the head of 7-Eleven with us. We take business people because they've seen the amount of dollars. That's an immediate stimulation back into the economy and gets spent very, very well. I think part of what you referred to is what I would call client education. Many of the folks that are born into poverty do not understand um, the best way to buy and budget their money. For, for low-income people, money is there to be spent. For those of us in the middle class, we're taught how to manage it. In the upper class, they're taught how to protect and conserve it. It's the same way with anything. Food, for the lower class, it's, it's about quantity. Is there enough? For middle class, we talk about how it tastes. Did you enjoy it, Bob? Upper class, what do they talk about? How it looks. The presentation. We have the best chefs in the world on the strip, and they are very interested in how it is presented. It's a piece of art. And so a lot of that, I think, has, goes back to education. But what I found out here was most of the folks, well, I won't say that today, but during that recession, they weren't the typical generational poverty people standing in the food line here. It was formerly middle class because of the nature and severity of this recession. It was people that look like you and me. Any other questions? I, I sure enjoyed it. Please come see us. We need more volunteers. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Normally, we give a Soul Power Award where we give a pair of shoes and socks to a needy child in your name. But today, we are giving you the Share What You Can Award. And a donation will be made in your name to the Salvation Army to Perfect. feed a hungry bed. Thank you. Thank you. Remember, if you leave today's meeting still feeling hungry, and that you decide, and if you decide to stop at a fast food restaurant on your way back to work, <laughs> think about the fact that you have stable employment, that you have clothes in your closet. Think about the precious gift you have to stop at that drive-through, that you have disposable income to buy food whenever and wherever you want. We cannot solve world hunger on our own, but together we can make a difference. Now I know I have not done the raffle drawing. <laughs> I know that. I would like to throw out an idea that we not do the raffle drawing and donate the proceeds from today to Hurricane Relief. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference.